Hi, listener. Before this episode begins, this is an episode that's cobbled together from lots of different bits and pieces. We wanted to mention a convention that's coming up soon. Some of you will already know about this. Some of you will already have signed up. But Peter and I just wanted to take a moment to talk about FarcomCon 2020. Peter's here on the line with me. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hi, Peter. We've we've done. We've entered a kind of weird path to Carcosa style time loop here (laughs) because we recorded an episode first, and then the second episode we recorded, the listeners have heard first. And yeah. then this episode, which we were recording last, the hearing before the episode we recorded first, but after the episode we recorded second. Correct. Yeah, you got it. Cool. Doubt. I've just got to make sure doubt. I stitch, Mark one stitch doubt. it together <laughs> in the right order. Otherwise, all of this is complete nonsense. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So what, what, what question did you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> did you want to say anything about Farcom? No, we, we are looking forward to it. Um, unfortunately yeah. for, for us, most of the stuff is going to happen in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine most of the streams and stuff will be will be archived. If you go yeah. to the... The best thing to do is to go to the, the FarcomCon website, which I think is farcom.haysummit.com or something like that. Yeah, and there's also farcomcon.com. Yes, well, which is very easy. And Farkham is F-A-R-K-H-A-M, as in far, distant, and Arkham mashed together. So FarkhamCon is happening on July the 30th and 31st, and August the 1st and 2nd. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be doing panels on the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday at 4pm. Lots of different things that we're doing. We'll be drafting some decks. We'll be playing some Arkham live on the cast. Hope that comes to fruition and so the time that this is happening is a week from today when this episode comes out if all goes to plan and our time traveling has worked so yeah this episode should come out on a thursday which means farcom is one week today if you're not sure about what's going on with it the best thing we can recommend is go to either of those websites farcomcon.com or farcom.haysummit.com and they've got the full schedule there loads of the things are free and the convention as a whole is also free so you can do worse than just go and check it out see if there's a panel you want to listen to or a a game experience you want to take part in i think there's some iron man events there's some blob events things like that go check it out sign up and it will be a really fun weekend celebrating this brilliant game yeah i'm really looking forward to it Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Doing, uh, yeah, really well, actually. It's a lovely sunny day for once. Good, good. You've got me on camera as well, I think. Bleary-eyed and tired. Ah, maybe the camera's white slow. Yeah. Turn the camera off. Just have to imagine my beautiful face. (laughs) So, what are we talking about today? Well, as may have surprised listeners, uh, we've got a new Think on Your Feet featuring me, Peter. Mm. Yes, so exciting. Your debut on Think on Your Feet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess. A... Go on. You were never kind of anti the idea of doing Think on Your Feet, were you? But it just never, it never kind of came up that you would do one. And it's only been this year. 
Exactly, yeah. I, I don't tend to play solo, um, but we're kind of all in a situation now where we're making do with what we have. Um, so just playing some Arkham, mm. even by myself, uh, is, a, is a way to pass the time. Yeah, I think we we were talking off air as well about this idea of there are ways of playing Arkham now, but I don't know if any of them are quite a like-for-like replacement for that, sitting with friends in a pub or in a game shop, just kind of really getting into the game. There's something missing about like the tactile nature of the cards and things like that. So yeah, glad that the solo itch has caught you at least a little bit. Really yeah, cool. yeah, no, I'm excited to, to, to dig in further. So we should also explain that uh, we're recording this before we uh, we played. Yes. So you're hearing yeah. this in reverse chronological order, as is appropriate for the Dream Eaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Think of this as a kind of memory of a dream or something like that. So yeah. it could be. At and the, the reason end of that for episode, that is, I was busy cursing Frank's name for for suggesting this could be a fun idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a weird kind of jump cut to this episode where we're all cheering about our brains it. off the floor. <laughs> yeah. This is the ex- um, the excitement before the journey has begun, and the reason for that is we agreed that we wanted the. Hopefully, decent surprise, definitely surprise of Peter playing on Think On Your Feet to come first. But we also received a lot of feedback from the last cycle where you and I did a bit of talking about the Norman deck, both before I played and then also midway through the campaign. And people seem to really like hearing me talk to someone else, or rather hearing your thoughts about the deck as it went along, just to get a bit more insight into the choices that we were making and why we were doing it. So what we thought we'd do is do exactly the same thing and talk about the decks we're planning to take into Think on Your Feet. But we didn't want to spoil the surprise that you're playing one of the sides, so we thought we'd record it afterwards. So yeah, that means we should leap in and talk about our choices. In the past few Think on Your Feet, I've invited people to help me choose who we're going to play. But this time, because I wanted to keep it hush-hush that Peter was playing, I've not done that. So we've talked quite a lot behind the scenes about who we're going to be and why. Yes. And I've really enjoyed that because also it's been a chance to think, well, what are the differences playing solo? What are the challenges of any particular investigator? Maybe you can talk us through people you were considering and who you've landed on. Yeah, absolutely I can. So I can't remember. There was quite a lot of names I was throwing around, right? Uh, One of the interesting Mm -hmm. ones was Patrice. And actually I did record a Patrice episode some time ago, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, which we didn't we didn't end up using, mm-hmm. but I think we both chatted about Patrice, and she she she'll have particular difficulties in various scenarios as we go through, um, and is a bit mm. just awkward to do on stream because you're you're constantly drawing new hands, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then there's a few other ones I was talking about. Some of my favourite investigators, Preston, I thought might be quite good fun, especially to do on the waking side, mm-hmm. but yeah. ultimately. After our chat with Matt uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. he was talking about his Agnes deck, where he draws all the cards with the, the heirloom of Hyperborea, and he used the mm. Shining Trapezohedron, nice. uh, yeah, and he, yeah, he's yeah. got this deck that, that draws all the cards, plays all the spell events, and just keeps going like that. Uh, and actually, yeah. I think it, it's... It, I, I mean, a Mystic is good... I think a Mystic is good solo anyway, because you do have some flexibility built in. Mm-hmm. Most of the mystics yeah. have a nice high primary stat, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. And I played with an Agnes deck in uh, the hotel a couple of weeks ago. I did a solo Agnes deck through the hotel. I kind of got the bug for playing her again because I always loved Agnes back around yeah, the set yeah. days. 
I think my first proper successful completion of uh, Night of the Zealot was with Agnes. Ah, nice, nice. Didn't realise that. I would have assumed Daisy, but yeah. Daisy was my very first play. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I think even on that episode, you can, the, the Matt episode, you can hear the excitement when Matt starts talking about that. And you mentioned the gym deck you played and playing with the new spell suite that adds your willpower to all your other stats, which is already powerful. But then hearing it in Agnes and you were excited about building something, you built a list straight away afterwards. So it seems like, I, I feel like one of the driving principles to what you're doing coming onto Think on Your Feet is playing something that seems fun for you and yeah. that you want to try out. Yeah, yeah, and I think definitely. that's like that's great, right? <laughs> to just <laughs> go with what gets you excited and things like that. And you mentioned as well the five willpower being you can kind of if things go well, your willpower can do everything for you, and if things go poorly, you might be cursing the fact that it's your willpower that's such a strong strong stat. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. That's the kind of core challenge for most solo mystics. If things go well, great. <laughs> if they don't, uh-oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going for Agnes. How about you, Frank? Uh, are we, have we said which side I'm going through with Agnes yet? No, we haven't yet either. I'll be taking Agnes through the waking side of the Dream Eaters, and you will be playing mm-hmm. who in the other side? So I'll be dreaming, and but I think... I, I can't really... Weirdly, having asked you your reasoning, I th- I'm going to be playing a Guardian. It's going to be Mark Harrigan. And my reasoning was that... I think I'm due to play a Guardian on the cast. I haven't played a Guardian for a while. And it was a toss-up between Leo or Mark. And I just felt like I've seen a few times people online saying that Mark is only really good as a fighter. And that's it. And actually, I think in Solo, he's he's a very nicely well-rounded Solo character because of how he can boost his stats. So I'm going to hope to show off how fun Mark is as a solo investigator. He's got a little bit like actually with you with the heirloom, he's got lots of draw, so you draw lots of cards. Yeah. He's got lots of flexibility with his stats if things go well. We've chosen two two intellect investigators, yeah. so we're both, I think, <laughs> going to need to think quite carefully about clues. But yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to him. And then sort of long term, because I'm playing Dreaming, if I keep on the hunt in my deck, that actually will give me a little bit of help in where the gods dwell, we hope. Because on the hunt is <laughs> very sweet tech for that scenario. Because uh, yeah, you can absolutely. use it to on yeah, the hunt. Yeah. Nile after tap. So yeah, that, but that's that. long term. At the moment, like just getting him through a couple of scenarios will be good. And yeah, so I've chosen Mark. And hopefully, you know, like I think he's a really good solo investigator. So hopefully people will see that and get excited for it. And I suppose... As we've done before um, with the previous campaign, if people want to play along and record their experiences as well, that would be great. And we'll share the lists when we get sorted for that and people can do that as well. Which deck would you like to talk about first? Let's talk about Mark first. Okay. So you as the the pro solo player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me how all this works. Cool. Right, so the list is in the description. You'll have already heard me talking about the list on our first playthrough. So weapons, I've gone with two Enchanted Blade and two Fortify Automatic. I I do like the Colton Mark as well, but I think so having a baked-in boost... Are you saying that this deck won't have changed because you're bringing it to me already perfect? Oh, good point. 
this is the deck that I'm currently at, and it might have changed by the end of this episode. Or it might right. not, because yeah. Frank is almost perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm remembering when we talked about my Norman deck and I made lots of changes. But yeah, so those are the weapons I've, I've gone with. I think there's a toss-up around more ammunition with the Colt over um, more damage boost with the Enchanted Blade. But I quite like not needing to use Mark's damage ability for combat. So if you have weapons with combat boosts, then you can save using his damage for his other three stats, which is pretty nice. And probably I should just remind people as well so mark begins the game with sophie in play and after damage is placed on a card that mark controls you draw a card limit once a phase and sophie importantly gives you a free triggered ability to take a direct damage you get plus two to your skill value for this skill test and it's unlimited you can do that as much as you like per test but if mark gets the five damage sophie flips over and you get minus one to all of your skills so he becomes a two one four two which is pretty crummy and then if you can heal him back to four or fewer damage, then you're all right. So yeah, those are the weapons. I've got two flashlights in there. I've got a hallowed mirror. Big choice situation here. I've taken Alice Luxley. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Helping with so, intellect. And yeah, we can that. discuss that for sure. Yeah. Then skills is pretty easy to do. I've taken two take the initiative and two vicious blow. And I also have the home front. And my feeling about Mark Solo is you can use that damage ability to give you essentially an unexpected courage. So actually packing your deck with more skills kind of gets in the way of what you're doing. Kind of. Interesting. But again, we can discuss that more. Worth noting that all of those skills have the practiced trait. In events, I have two emergency cash, two evidence, two on the hunt, two scene of the crime. So that's kind of a economy and then on the hunt and evidence and on the hunt and scene of the crime are clues. I've got two shortcuts, because I think shortcut is an amazing card. Particularly useful if I want to do a scene of the crime thing, and I have them in, in hand. And I've got two second wind and one emergency aid. So between the hallowed mirror, the one emergency aid, and the two second wind, I'm hoping that's healing for me. And then finally, I've got two act of desperation, and two practice makes perfect. And that is the deck. So, interesting. Before you leap in... <laughs> thank you. Before you leap in, some... Probably questions I have floating around for me are, do I need to act of desperation? Do yes. I have enough healing? Yes. And what ally am I taking? And should I find room for a couple of perception? Because if I am going to need a boost somewhere, it'll probably be around intellect. One of the things I'm thinking with practice makes perfect is potentially using practice makes perfect in mythos to hit to take the initiative and then playing take the initiative again to investigate sort of like doubling up my take the initiatives to get plus three twice for each one. That's the list. What do you think, Peter? Uh, well, my comment of interesting was specifically in relation to act- active desperation. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's a really interesting pick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and it's... Right. So so if you had, say, the 45 automatic in play, you'd, do, mm-hmm. you'd use all your ammo from the 45 automatic, and then yes. you would get an attack at plus four, dealing two damage... And yep. gain four resources. Yes. So is this in as a damage event or an econ event or a bit of both? A bit of both. Okay. Yeah. I, I can I can see it. And, and honestly, I, I almost feel the the crucial bit is the gain three or the gain four resources on the bottom of it. Because your two mm-hmm. weapons are... Well, actually, you've got flashlights as well. So, you know, there's a potential well. two, two yeah. resources uh, gained from it. Yeah. Do you think you need that additional economy? I found 
that I can need more economy in Mark mm-hmm. because if you're going fairly quickly and you're playing and on the hunt and the scene of a crime, that's say three cost. And then you've also got weapons and allies that cost a reasonable amount. Even as you were talking, thinking, I feel like Act of Desperation should be a one-off maybe because then I've got I've got six targets for it, but it only works when one of them is... It doesn't only work when they've run out of charges, but it's a nice way of clearing out a weapon to then play a flashlight without just overdoing it. And if we were to go down to one Act of Desperation, that then frees up a slot for another emergency aid or something like that. Yeah, and, and emergency aid and and second wind and hallowed mirror, they're interesting actually. It's a point I honestly haven't considered before that one point of damage on Mark is a better unexpected courage. So a second wind yeah. is potentially two unexpected courage plus another card draw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's a really powerful, uh, a powerful effect there. You've gone two second wind and one emergency aid are you happy that that's the right mm-hmm. balance that way? Yeah, I've I found playing Mark Solo, sometimes I wouldn't feel comfortable playing an emergency aid, but I pretty much always play a second wind. So like normally, normally I'll be healing two damage with second wind for one cost and drawing a card. So it's like it's cheaper, it heals the same amount of damage and it replaces itself. So for me, it kind of beats emergency aid. There's a slight caveat that you need to have drawn a treachery. Yeah, sure. It, yeah. Unless you're playing something like or, or Professor Xavier or something like that. I feel like Emergency Aid doesn't have much benefit over um, Second Wind in your deck. Yeah. Pro- Professor Xavier, Brother Xavier. Brother Xavier. <laughs> I've caught up with who you mean. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Emergency Aid is then just a cheaper, uh, then just more expensive rather, Second Wind. The, the other card that I used to run fairly regularly in Mark was First Aid. And the hierarchy then was second wind, emergency aid, first aid. And first aid, at a push, spend an action to heal a damage or a horror. But now that Hallowed Mirror is out, Hallowed Mirror becomes the, the top pick. Second wind's going to help me draw into Hallowed Mirror if I've not seen it. And then emergency aid is kind of floundering at the bottom there. And can you explain scene of the crime? They're not scene of the crime. Alice Luxley. Can I explain Alice Luxley? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's kind of a weird toss-up for Mark. Because I've yet to really settle on a really good ally choice for him. Although I've not played Tetsuo Mori in Mark. So let's just put a pin in that for a moment. So really the choice is, do you want a beat cop and just get your combat to a decent place and not need to worry about it? And I've enjoyed running beat cop level 2 in Mark as well. Or do you want to shore up intellect a little bit more with Alice? And I'm not planning to then use her ability but if I do manage to do an extra damage from a scene of the crime, that's no bad thing. So I'm definitely not putting Alice in here as a, I've got this clever plan to discover clues and deal damage to enemies. I'm putting Alice in because it shores up my weakest stat to a three, which means at a push with a damage, I can investigate it to five. And investigating at a five at a four shroud location, maybe with a flashlight to drop that to two shroud and then three up, like, in combination with Flashlight and my damage ability with Sophie, that's a way of trying to deal with trickier shrouded locations. So I'm just hoping that getting to three intellect means that... I mean, it's, I've just immediately been struck with the thought that listeners will know more than we do because they'll have heard the first <laughs> episode. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that Alice just means that... And then at a three, it doesn't, it doesn't mean I can necessarily investigate without any other support, but it just is that extra step in the right direction. That's the thinking. Mm. What, what do you make of that? 
Um, I did. On the one hand, I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced, but on the other hand, mm. I don't know what other ally fits better in that slot. Mm. I don't think any do do. Like I, I played guard dog before in Mark, and found that actually, like I don't necessarily want to take hits as Mark because he's got low sanity anyway, so you yeah. don't want to be taking horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you don't want to be taking damage to put it, you know, on the dog because you you want all of your damage options for yourself. So, yeah, that guard dog is what sure about. Beat cop, like beat cop is okay. The other thing, Alice has two sanity and beat cop have two sanity, so that's all right. It's also a spot potentially that gets upgraded out of. Yeah, yeah, that, sure that, that, that's very true. You know, And I must admit, I think, so when I was making my deck, you're much better at solo than I am, Frank. So you were spitting out some numbers that I wouldn't have considered. Mm. Uh, and the thing, yeah. one of the things you said yeah. to me is that the number of clue cards I had was was low, uh, and mm. I noticed you've got two flashlight and two scene of the crime, and that's it. Two evidence. Oh, you've got two evidence as well, of course. Yeah, and two Alice and his ability. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Alice um, only puts you on three. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a cluing answer on anything but a one shroud location, no. really. Yeah, Alice in combination with the damage makes me a five which is potentially an answer for a two or a three shard location as well, even without that. Oh, I see. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that, that's legit. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's fine then. Maybe Alice is the best, the best option. I think the sanity soak is nice. Yeah, that, the hierarchy of things here is, one, it's an, a static intellect boost, which is the biggest weakness of the deck, getting clues. Two, it has two sanity. <laughs> and then three, maybe it will do some damage sometimes. It's it's nice in combination with Scene of the Crime, because when you when you have Scene of the Crime, uh, you've got an enemy on you when you're playing it often. Mm-hmm. Not always. Yeah. yeah. And it's one fewer action to deal with the enemy that's on you. So an extra point of damage to deal with the enemy that's on you when you play Scene of the Crime. It's 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 nice. It's a mm-hmm. it's a bonus when you need it. The other like weird option I'm thinking here is against Swarm. If I play evidence on killing a swarm, Alice mm-hmm. can then tap and kill another swarm for me. Oh, that's quite nice, yeah. If if swarm enemies were just three health enemies, that wouldn't work. But if it's multiple one or two health enemies, killing parts of the swarm will actually then... Alice can help me kill the rest of the swarm, potentially, if I'm getting clues off them. <laughs> Very edge, but that's the thinking. Yeah. there is. Um, there's a couple of cards coming... That we've seen in Nathan's deck, right? Which which would be would fit quite well. Mm. Um, not that I'm saying you should use Nathan's cards, Nathaniel's mm. cards. Sorry, uh, Nate. Was I thinking like lessons learned was one, which is one where you can discover clues after you've been attacked. That's two XP though, right? It is. Yes. Um, it's a bit like evidence. I think this isn't there one where you draw cards after you defeat an enemy or something. It's when we get resources after you initiate a fight. Yeah. Anyway, regardless. I think I'll be playing with my real cards. So, I mean, I could proxy, but given that we're recording this and there's a little bit of a wait before those packs come out, I'm happy to play with cards we have. Yeah. I think the other thing is if I do go down to one act of desperation and put a perception in, perception is also practiced trait. (laughs) Yes. So practice makes perfect. It has another target. So that's quite nice to say first action investigate. Play practice makes perfect. Can hit a take the initiative or a perception. And then the other thing is, can I actually get two perceptions in? I'm not sure. The only other thing I would tend to cut is emergency aid, I think. Mm. 
because you've got all being well i see hallowed mirror and then that's five healing cards two scene of the crime and three soothing melody right second wind oh sorry yes second yeah wind. yeah exactly yes what, yeah what did i say oh yes yeah, i say scene crime, of the yeah. crime <laughs> yeah sorry it's in the list in front of me yeah, yeah. no i exactly yes yeah I, I think that that that's true and i think a lot of the time emergency is going to sit in your hand and you're not going to want to use it because it's that two mm. resources it's just such a tempo hit mm. i think it's fine if you've got a card like a beat cop or something that that has charges related to their health yes yeah uh, but it just feels like two resources a little bit too much for it mm. Mm. yeah I mean, I've definitely had that feeling before while playing. Sometimes it's completely clutch, and other times it's like... Ugh. And then I guess the final thing is, like, XP path. Yeah. And wondering about a big gun. But <laughs> big obviously gun. the risk of that is makes using a flashlight harder. Yeah, yeah. Do we have any good big one-handed guns? Or would you go down something like Bandelier? You're not using the body slot, for what it's worth. It's true. I'm not. Definitely the deck starts to become more complicated if we're putting down a bandolier and then other things, but it's possible. The other option is, say, Guardian Enchanted Blade, which heals horror. Yeah. Which could be really useful and draws more cards. And then the other thought I had, maybe, was Agency Backup for Alice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is Tesla's Clues. Tesla's Clues, yeah, that would be really good. And... Well, at that point, you kind of want the Emergency Aid back, don't you? Does it do... It does Tesla's damage... When you deal damage to it, and then Tesla's clues when you deal horror to it, right? Exactly, yeah. And it's 4-4. Four, four. Mm. So it can do potentially three damage and four clues, or the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it seems yeah. good. I mean, it, It's a possibility. Stick to the plans, obviously, the other one that kind of jumps out to people as of being a, yeah. a mark card. But then again, yes, yeah. it's not like you have a... There's some crucial cards it's good to have with that, so a dynamite blast can go on it right as a mm. tactic yeah uh, ever vigilant is a really nice if you take a one off yeah. ever, ever vigilant it's really nice um mm-hmm. but you do yeah. have yeah. quite i don't know i want to say you've got quite a lot of events in this deck mm. i have yeah he draws so well that it's really nice to have a sort of slightly tool, toolboxy style with him yeah i guess what, i mean what if i if i had sticks and plan now i'd put a cash on it and on the hunt on it and then either a shortcut or an act of desperation yeah and if I've gone down to one act of desperation, I just put it there and I know I have it ready for when I need it. Yeah, th- that's legit. And I guess the other thing is if you're drawing heavily and you've got most of your deck in your hand, then having an ever vigilant sitting mm. there on stick to the plan is one action yes. to play up yeah. to three cards. So yeah. you can just, rather than those cards going in the bin, they go onto the table where they're useful. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Okay, so we've got some options there. So that's the deck, I think. I need to have a think about maybe fitting in a perception. I'm even wondering about maybe I drop down to one practice makes perfect and that puts in two perception potentially i've seen practice so one act of desperation practice make perfect be an absolutely fantastic card when i've been watching uh, team covenant mm. yeah it is incredible it's incredible so fun and on the most recent thing on your feet when i was playing ursula like landing it on a deduction landing it on a perception just gives you so much value so yeah yeah it is a good card obviously if you've seen all the other skills it's just a couple of icons but yeah what is it? Intellect Agility? No, Willpower Intellect. Yeah. Cool. So that's the Mark deck. Yeah. Thank you for your help, Peter. Uh, well, I don't feel like I helped that much. I think you already knew sort no, of I think roughly where you wanted the flex. I've played Mark a lot as well, so I'm hoping that it goes well on stream and it's a chance to kind of show his talents. And that'd be fun, I hope, for listeners. Do you want to talk to us about Agnes in the Waking World? Yeah, let's do it. 
asset-wise, I have two meat cleavers and two old keyring. I've got a couple Ooh. of cards, four cards to be exact, from the, the mm-hmm. upcoming sets because I, I, I won't be playing with actual cards, so I've got some uh, some proxies in there. Nice. Old keyring, for people who don't know, it is a kind of mini survivor flashlight. And you know what? Honestly, that slot could just as easily be flashlight. So it's mm-hmm. it's one cost. It only has two charges, but if you you don't lose the key or the charge from it unless you succeed at the test. Mm. So it's 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 a really interesting one to compare to flashlight. We'll we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. two meat cleaver, two L key ring, one sixth sixth sense. I can never say that word right. <laughs> Obviously, the heirloom of I Hyperborea, Hyperborea in the accessory slot, and then two crystal pendulum. Again, this is a card which we've mm-hmm. seen from Jacqueline's deck. This is plus one willpower, and it has a reaction. Uh, after a skill test, your location begins. Exhaust crystal pendulum. Name a number. If this test succeeds by that number or fails by that number, draw a card. So it's a it's kind of a mm-hmm. holy rosary that that occasionally draws you a card rather than having a sanity soak. Mm-hmm. Uh, two arcane initiate, two forbidden knowledge, one thermos, two blinding light, two emergency cash, two quantum flux, two read the signs, two scrounge for supplies, two spectral razor, mm-hmm. two storm of spirits, two ward of protection, two not without fight. Uh, too fearless and too unexpected courage. And any maths geniuses we've got listening will know that that's it, 34 cards. So I so need to cut. cut at least four. Well, no, I need to mm-hmm. cut exactly four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least and not more than. Yes. Yeah. I can add some, I can cut more than four, then add some in. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we are. Should I explain a couple of things? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Sixth, the one-off thick, one-off sixth sense. I'm, I'm going to cut because I hate saying it after the first <laughs> game. But what Frank pointed out was, Frank's got more experience playing this campaign than I do. Is that? Yeah, but you're not dreaming anymore. You're oh, waking. Of course, yeah, we've changed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in that case, I can cut that. We've easily. changed since the original thinking was the mm, dreamers yeah. get a free asset at the beginning of the game, and. That could just be a sixth sense. So that first scenario for clues as Agnes, you, you know, you wouldn't have a problem. The problem was, Frank, mm. I cut two, two drawn to the flame to put in sixth sense. <laughs> so we might now have to cut five cards. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. I mean, while we're on sixth sense, mm-hmm. it's actually worth comparing old keyring, flashlight, and sixth sense. Yeah. Because they're all doing something similar. So at a two shroud location, old keyring makes that a zero and you probably lose a key. Flashlight makes that a zero, and you probably, and almost certainly lose a, you lose a flashlight charge and almost certainly get the clue. And six cents makes you three up. Yeah. So you'd become a five against two. So it doesn't make it as surefire. But there's no but charges good, on six cents. But there's no charges on six cents. Then if you go higher shroud at, at shroud three, key ring makes you a two against one. Flashlight makes you a two against one. Six cents makes you a five against three. It still, for me, wins out pretty much every shroud. But I've also, like, I've also played Agnes with flashlight and used flashlight to get all of those sort of low shroud clues yeah. because it's just a surefire thing. I really like the theme of Old Keyring, but basically convince me why it's good. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure for the one cost lower, it's better than either Flashlight or Sixth Sense. Well, the, the issue with Sixth Sense is that um, it's sitting in the Arcane slot, and really the uh, yes, aim with the right. deck was to go for Mind's Eye. 
Of course. And, yeah. and Mind's Eye is actually a, a, a potent replacement for all of those cards because it has yeah, up to yeah. up to seven charges with a single run through the deck, uh, and it just pops. It, it does what Sixth Sense does, right? Uh, though it does have charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could, of course, really good be point, actually, used yeah. in combination with Flashlight or Old Keyring. So mm-hmm. to an extent, if I want to go Mind's Eye, we sort of have to discount Sixth, sixth Sense anyway because I want something mm. in that arcane slot. Unless you go six cents, two six cents to start with, scenario one. Into Mind's Eye. upgrade six cents into Mind's Eye. Yes. Yeah. That means then I Is don't have old key ring in the deck. And if I wanted mm. it in, I'd have to, to, to spend two XP putting old key ring back in. And you want to put old keyring in to use in combination with Mind's Eye. Is that the thinking? Well, that th- this is the point I'm not sure about. If, if I had two Mind's Eye, do I want? Are those charges on Mind's Eye? Are they useful for using with the cleaver and the keyring? Are, are they going to be too mm. taxed spending on all those things? And also, they're a boost on my read the signs, blinding light, not blinding light, um, mm. read the signs and spectral razor as well. Yeah. No. I mean that, that, that's that's more marginal because with both of those cards, mm. I'm at uh, seven plus stat anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the nice thing with Mind's Eye is that you can attack with the cleaver. Do you still get the combat boost from the cleaver and then turn it all into willpower? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. When you would test test your willpower instead, so no, it doesn't say like all boosts you would be getting to your. Interesting. It's not like Sharpshooter that says all boosts that would go for your combat go for your agility instead. Yeah, I think I might have played that wrong when I did did the last scenario, but that's fine. You're still te- you, you know you're fighting at six potentially five or six, depending. yeah, rather than three or four. Yes, that's yeah, still good. It's still good. Just jumping back for a second, Frank. Old keyring versus flashlight. Mm. Yeah, I guess the logic is so. So you've got two different scenarios. If you're on a two shroud location. Mm-hmm. From flashlight, you can potentially get three clues of that location. With old keyring, you can mm-hmm. get two clues of that location. So in that yeah. in that situation, flashlight is just straight up better. Although it does cost one more, mm-hmm. one more for one more clue. Yeah. Here's a question that I always forget: What happens to flashlight when it runs out of charges? Nothing. Right. That is not crucial, but another thing to consider. I thought that was the case. Mm-hmm. The difference is when you get to, say, a one or even a two shroud location. Sorry, sorry, a three or a four shroud location. So you're testing yeah, at one or which two. Which get reduced to one or two, yeah. Now, if you're at a three shroud location and you have flashlight, you're getting maybe one or two clues, right? You might get three, you might get none. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can just burn through those charges. The old key ring, you know that your boost is staying until you've got two clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can yeah. you could repeatedly test it at, at a three shroud location, even maybe in a pinch a four shroud location to try mm-hmm. and get those clues. You're not all in on so you getting can, the clues. You can do flashlight. two on two at a four shroud location, and you can just keep going until you. Get you could, clue. yeah. That's probably not the best use of, of your actions. Yeah, <laughs> you're better off no, drawing no, no, your no, cards but... to find something else. But you know, you're not going to lose those charges at least. And the other slight thing in Old Keyring's favour, this is a minor point, but I have two Quantum Flux and two Scrounge for Supplies in the deck because the idea is to run mm. through those spell events as fast as I can. And as soon as you use the second charge from Old Keyring, it goes in the bin. So it would instantly get recycled with one of those, well, with Quantum Flux, or you could Scrounge for Supplies to bring mm-hmm. it back to your hand and play it again. 
Yeah. yeah. So, so it, I, I'm with you. I, honestly, I think in this deck, I think Earl Keyring maybe slightly edges Flashlight with that um, as an added bonus mm. with those two Quantum Flux in there, if they survive I this guess process. The other thing to throw in is just to rewind a little bit, at the two Shroud location, as you said, with Flashlight, you get three clues, and with Old Keyring, you get two. Mm-hmm. But if you draw a tentacle, with Flashlight, you get two clues, and with Old Keyring, you still get two clues. Yes. If you draw two tentacles <laughs> with flashlight, you get two clues, and you didn't even get a disc. You didn't even drop the shroud to to zero for the last, the fourth test. But with old keyring, you still did, depending on the order of the tentacles. I mean, it's so survivor, isn't it? It, it mitigates failure, yeah. In a way that flashlight, you're just hoping not to fail. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, almost a bit like newspaper in that it gives you that bonus until you've got the clues. Yeah, yeah. so it's plus two intellect until you get two clues. Uh, yes, which which yeah. I, I think I think is good. Yeah, okay. and I, I think yeah, coming around to it. The other thing is, as as you often say to me, you've got to think about the number of clues on locations. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mystic, sorry, not Survivor, is blessed with a number of two clue cards. So mm. you'd be looking more at the odd numbers to pick up with these with something like the keyring. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So th- that then leaves us with the question: Do I go? Sixth Sense into Mind's Eye and then forget the keyring altogether. Mm. So again, like rewinding to what I said to you earlier that you brought up in this episode, what are your six clue cards? Because at the moment I count two read the signs, two old keyring and one sixth sense. And you know, I could be I could be wrong here that you actually are fine with five, but my experience playing solo mystic is at least six, so at least that's twenty percent of the deck. Yeah. So, 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 right? so yeah. what happened was we chatted last night, um, assuming I was going to do dreaming, mm. and you said <laughs> so. You put six cents and then didn't need that. And, yeah. and you said <laughs> uh, if you have six cents, you can play that at the start of the game, and then you don't yeah. need anything else. And I thought, mm. ah, that's good because what I can do is after the first scenario, if I get two XP, I can upgrade into Mind's Eye, and then I've got Design, two Mind's yeah. Eye, two Key Ring, and two Read the Signs. And that's mm, stuck mm. by Frank's oh, hard nice, rule. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I took out cool. two... Uh, you might not have heard of this card, actually. Uh, it's called Drawn to the Flame. Mm-hmm. It's a mystic card that what gets two clues off your location. Okay. So that would have yeah. been... Until I changed that, I had two old key ring, two Drawn to the Flame, two Reader Signs. Mm, yeah. I haven't heard of that card, Drawn to the Flame, but I'm going to guess it's insight-traded, not spell-traded. That's right, yes. So there is a reason why it might be less useful in a like spell draw. That's deck. why, I, even though it sounds like an amazing. Yeah, card. that's why I cut it ahead of read the signs. Yeah, which that is makes a spell. Sense. Okay, okay. And this, this so, is all. Yeah, all. <laughs> uh, the fact I've still got, I'm still at thirty-four cards, <laughs> so I still need to cut mm, four cards yeah. from this deck. So I'll do a very Peter thing now. Tell me about Thermos here. That's un- <laughs> it's non-negotiable. I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I just I just like Thermos. Um, I think I want. It does fly in the face of everything you say about like healing damage and horror. What it's just really it's this confusing. weird. It's this weird blind spot for you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my defence, uh, I always put it in Agnes because I I assume I'm going to be yes. taking two arcane research. Yes, yeah. But actually, arcane research doesn't really fit in this deck. It doesn't. No. I just so I'm feel really if you had sad. two arcane research, um, well, if it's non-negotiable, fine. And it has a willpower icon, so you can commit it. <laughs> but <laughs> it's expensive, 
It's slow. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. So, so, so broadly speaking, I do want some horror healing, yes, but yeah, I'm not sure fair. what form it should take. I, mm-hmm. I've always said yeah. with, and in fact, Thermos is both horror healing and physical healing as well. Yeah, which yeah. I might struggle more with. Yeah, I, I must admit, I don't know the state of the treacheries probably as well as you do across the, mm-hmm. across the different campaigns. So mm. I won't be able to get a good feel for what balance of healing I would need and how I can avoid damage, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. My normal argument with Thermos is that I've taken two arcane research, so I've got two mental trauma, and mm-hmm. Agnes basically uses her sanity as a, as a pool to deal damage to enemies. Mm, yeah. So Thermos is action, deal do damage, two damage to enemies. Which is good. That's that's good. That makes sense to me. That won't be the case here because you won't have taken two mental <laughs> yes. trauma. So okay. it'll be action deal one damage. With a sense of sadness, I'm going to cut Thermos, Frank. <laughs> but the other thing I would say, just in its favour, to respond to your point about not knowing the treacheries, is that Agnes has lower health than sanity, but also uses her sanity as a resource. Mm-hmm. So having flexible healing that can respond to either one isn't necessarily a bad thing, but your choices are fairly limited. Like it's Thermos or First Aid can heal both, right? Yeah, well, Soothing Melody can heal both. Yeah. And of course, the benefit was Soothing... That's another accessory, yeah. Well, it's also the benefit of Soothing Melody is that it's a spell. It's another spell, yeah. And it draws a card anyway when you play it, so it would draw two cards. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's really nice with your Heirloom or with your your Arcane Mm. Initiate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a potential down the line. It's the classic um, versatile, <laughs> soothing, uh, it's, um, the yeah, mirror, yeah, hallowed mirror. I love the idea of um, Agnes just walking sort of through these adventures with like a crystal pendulum hanging off her her neck, the hallowed mirror under one arm, the heirloom under the other arm. <laughs> like she's just like all of these trinkets and relics and things. Like that. That's really cool. There's a scene in the Mummy, underrated film. Mm. <laughs> right, maybe exactly correctly rated actually but there's a scene where the, the, the kind of um, I think he's called Benji who's the, one of the antagonists he's confronted by the mummy and he reaches inside his shirt and he pulls out like a, a pulls out a, a cross I think he starts off with the cross and he like he says a, he says a prayer and then he fumbles inside his and it doesn't stop the mummy so he fumbles inside his shirt and he pulls out a star of David and he like works his way through all yeah, the religious yeah, icons trying to find yeah. one that works <laughs> I think no, mm, he, he, yeah. he comes to the Star of David last because he he speaks in uh, in Hebrew and then the mummy recognizes it as the language of the slaves. Of course, yeah. Ah, I have a use yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. But when we played Eldritch Horror, there is I think there is a there is an not Eldritch Horror Arkham Horror Third Edition. There's an mm. item in that game which is a bundle of holy icons around your neck. <laughs> uh, it just makes you think of that guy. Yeah. yeah. Fans of the show might know that I've been streaming Brogue. And in Brogue, the Dar Priestess, who's basically Agnes, the description of the Dar Priestess is like um, a collection of trinkets and, and um, bangles jingle softly around her <laughs> neck as she treads the dungeon. It's like so badass. And then she kills you with a lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Agnes. So maybe Thermos is out, maybe the Sixth Sense is out or rejigged. But you're still going to need to cut at least two parts. Yeah, right? so I, I, one of the ideas I have, and, and this might... I don't know. I was considering cutting Ward of Protection, mm-hmm. but I think that might be stupid. It's it's 
it's a spell, so that's good. Yeah. Especially once I get yeah. my if I if I go for the shining trapezohedron, mm-hmm. that's useful. Play it for free. I, I yeah. guess the other thing is I do have a lot of spell events. Mm-hmm. I'm also worried about two ward, two storm, two spectral razor, two read the signs, two blinding light. Yeah. What sorry? What I meant to say is I do have a lot of damage spell events. Ah, okay, yeah. So, I, I like blinding light because it's an evade. Mm. But do I need that as a as a spell event, as a as a spell slash damage mm. event? Would it a be better as ethereal form, and b do I need it at all? Because could I, can I just kill enemies? Yeah, a, a yes would be better as ethereal form, and b maybe and the reason i'd prefer ethereal form is you tested an eight with ethereal form rather than a seven or rather than a five with blinding light but also it allows you to reposition because once you go ethereal for the turn you could then run through other enemies do other things set up more whatever it is it gives you that it buys you that it's essentially like you evade all enemies for a turn if you land it It's like boom ghost mode that's yeah, exactly. I think I think Ethereal form is super strong. So one radical question is: Do you need to emergency cash? Well, and it, could you rely on forbidden knowledge for economy? Good question. Particularly if you're going into the shining trapezohedron. So, so your deck starts to become very cheap. I'll, yeah. I will level with you, Frank. My, my feel is that the cuts mm-hmm. are: so I turn one blinding light into an ethereal form. I cut the other mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I cut one quantum flux. Yeah, and then maybe suggestion of mine. cut an emergency cash. Yeah, but then so you end up with one ethereal form, one cash, one flux, and then two read the signs, two scrounge, two spectral razor, two storm, two ward. Yes. Yeah. Or, or I could leave the two cash and go for one and get rid of the sixth sense, which mm-hmm. is a bit more bold because yeah. that leaves me maybe f- finding things pretty difficult for investigating. Yeah. So in that first scenario, waking nightmare, which listeners will have heard but we won't you've got two two clue locations a three shroud and a four shroud early on yeah and then a two shroud and a three shroud one clue a two shroud and a three shroud that's six clues interesting so i i put it to you frank and then in the basement you've got a five shroud one clue a three shroud one clue and a something else one clue like three so that's Mm. seven eight nine clues to get yeah if you want to get all the VP and read the signs you can use on the doubles, for sure. Go on. What were you going to put to me? There's quite a few two two clue locations there. So does Drawn to the Flame make sense? There's Yeah, there's what, two two clue locations, yeah. I think there's only two. I think. I don't want to get this wrong and be leading <laughs> you astray. But yeah, I think there's only two, yeah. Potentially, and you know, if you don't use Sixth Sense and you have a Drawn to the Flame... Drawn to Flame works well with water protection, obviously. But if I'm if I need to get a clue off a five shroud location, mm. the only way I'm gonna you read the signs at seven or yeah, drawn to the flame. I will have gone down to one quantum flux, so it's harder to find those to to reuse those spell events. Mm. Yeah. In your test, did you loop your deck when you test ran it? In my test, I didn't play any of the spell events. Right. <laughs> I, I and how that sounds. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I I got down the meat cleaver pretty early, and then mm-hmm. all of my mind's eye, and I just used yeah. that for the whole scenario. 
That's yeah. Okay, that's good, and that's worth knowing that you have an alternative way of playing that doesn't get shut down by not seeing those things. Like you've got multiple draw in Crystal Pendulum, Heirloom of Hyperborea, and Arcane Initiate, which I think is really good yeah. because if you were just relying on seeing the heirloom, there could be a problem. Absolutely, there. yeah, yeah. Flux can reset things. Like if you haven't got the draw engine set up, you could still use the spell events, and then once the heirloom's down, Quantum Flux them all, and then then go crazy speed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I think you really want to burn through the deck as fast as you can early. Yeah. And and get those those few key pieces down and then you've just got a, a deck full yeah. of lovely stuff you can play every turn. Yeah. And like you're then using scrounge to selectively choose the card you need back that you've just played. So for instance, read the signs, scrounge it again, read the signs, scrounge it again. Like that's a possibility as well. You could even upgrade that scrounge does a lot of if work. You, if you want to if you want to go full mystic, you could go um DVM in the deck as well. Sorry, D you could go DVM. Dvervis mysterious. Yeah. No, yeah, DVM. That's right. No, it's yeah, DVM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you could burn yeah. through those events the second time. Yeah, yeah, the fourth time, whatever it is. When you're okay, well, let's let's okay. Let's, okay. let's yeah, it first let, let's together. let's cut the two blinding light and put in ethereal form. I feel like you came to me with the deck that was pretty much done, and I'm I'm having to fiddle a lot more. So we've got one ethereal form that's got us down to thirty-two. It's six cents of thermos going out. I've taken thermos out already. I. I'm right. sort of tempted to keep six cents in just in case. I am too, and I'd even say like if you run two six cents in the first scenario, and they're the first thing that get like six cents at least means that pretty much every location you'll have a good stab at getting. You think if two you six cents in the first scenario, and then they can be the things because mine's eye is myriad, so you're going to need to cut three, three cards. Yeah, exactly. So then the two six two six cents and another thing gets cut. What, uh, yeah, what gets cut with the that then is the question. Is it is it the other old key? The other thing we've not talked about is the skill suite here. Yeah, good question. But I think the skill suite is pretty robust. So Yes. But it's just worth casting around. So not without a fight, you can commit to a skill test only if you're engaged with an enemy and it's either two willpower, two combat, or two agility. Yeah. I like not without a fight. Some people feel that it doesn't have enough options. It will be frustrating if it's sitting burning a hole in your hand because you've not seen any enemies. Yes. But as soon as you've seen an enemy it's a plus two for a spectral razor or an or an ethereal form or just a even a basic evade you evade at five then yeah right? yeah absolutely and it's worth remembering that um we've got swarm enemies mm. so that's so then it's plus many yeah it, it could be and i've had plus like plus five icons of that in nice. in various scenarios in in um, this campaign i think actually in the in the dreaming side but but in the point stance well in the waking side you've got spawn swarm of spiders in Three of the four scenarios and swarm of rats, which swarm yeah. in the other scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're going to be swarming. You have storm spirits as well to help you deal with some swarming enemies. Yes, yeah. I was going to suggest cutting storm down to one well, because it's a slightly more expensive. But I think actually for for this campaign, two of it is really useful. You think I should stick at two because that was my other yeah. sort of idea. Yeah, for I think so. Maybe I go I down to, to one old key ring with two six cents. And potentially, that's the other the other old key ring goes when I upgrade. So okay, that that puts me on thirty two now. I'm just going to save that deck, and then you can you can refresh the page, and you should be able to see what I've done. So you could cut a cash and a flux, and that would get you to thirty. They were the another thing we talked about. So fearless, I think, is great in Agnes because of her sanity, and I think fearless two, she is the best place for fearless two because of the value she gets out of it. I would, and unexpected I would agree. courage 
in solo, I think Unexpected Courage is so useful. I think at a pinch, you use Old Keering and Unexpected Courage if you need to, or for just... I mean, even actually Unexpected Courage is good for just an evade at five. You know, yeah. that's useful as well. That was my thinking. Um, sometimes you'll just get like a three difficulty treachery on one of your other stats in your like, yeah. well... Yeah, before you have Mind's Eye. Yeah. yeah, before you have Mind's Eye. And I, I don't want to fail this, so Unexpected Courage goes in. It's a shame not to put in a skill card that draws you a card. Um, I don't know whether there's some mm, weird... Mm. i tell you what, let's have a, can we have a quick look at the survivor skills and see if I'm missing an obvious skill card. Can you think of any off the top of your head that draw that would draw me a card? Take heart would draw you two cards and get you two resources. Only if I fail, Frank. I'm not in the habit mm. of failing skill tests. I don't think there's anything that would draw me a card. There is rise to the occasion. Is is this is that that's a kind of beefy survivor skill card? There's resourceful as well. Mm. But I don't think we talked about resourceful really. off air. Like resourceful works does the exact same job as scrounge for supplies. And I think in this deck, I slightly prefer Scrounge. And here's why. Because Resourceful doesn't have a willpower icon. Yeah. Um, so your your goal with this deck long term with, with Mind's Eye is to not test your other stats and to load into adding your willpower or using your willpower for everything. Yeah. So Scrounge gets you back all of those great events. Yeah, yeah. yeah Scrounge I, is I, only I must... level zero, but then Resourceful actually can't get you back any of those spells. It only gets you back survivor cards. That's right, yeah, yeah. It's way worse in this deck. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's the main I, I, reason. Yeah. I'm we just will see it. how well Scrounge works. Yeah. It could be that if I go down to one Quantum Flux, it could be that yeah. two Quantum is better than one Quantum and two Scrounge. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Maybe. Especially if I have Arcane Initiate and the Elum. Yeah. Disclaimer, I found Scrounge too slow in solo. Yeah. But I played it in a Calvin deck where actually I preferred chucking Resourceful in for the boost and getting basically Scrounge's ability baked into something else I'm doing rather than spending a spare action. But I've seen other people speak very highly of Scrounge for supplies, so I don't want to completely discount it. Yeah. And I think it's doing a very particularly strong thing here with the event play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, that, it's that calculation in your head is that it's an action to draw, but the card you're drawing is the exact card you want because you've played it and you know what you're drawing. So you'll be Mm -hmm. like, well, I'll draw and try and get this card. With Scrounge, you know that you're going to get that card because it's in the bin and you're pulling it right into your hand. And I think with the the kind of the real toolbox style we've got with these spell events, I think anything which extends the usefulness of them is good. I think think it's good. So are you going to go down to one flux, one cash? Is that your... Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not happy about all those one-offs. Yeah, but I think maybe that's that's. Ho- hopefully, you draw. So then the runoffs don't, don't, will be one don't cash, start one saying ethereal form one. Hopefully, don't say hopefully. hopefully yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting there. Like I think I think the deck is strong, and I don't think you you've mentioned a few times that I know what I'm doing with solo and you don't. <laughs> and I think the only difference here, I don't think that's true. Like I think you have a very good grasp of how to play the game. And the only difference really is that I've played a lot more solo than you. And that's not, mm-hmm. like, this could be a really good listening experience for fans of the cast to hear someone who's not as experienced solo sharing their experience as well. Okay, so I've got a, I think we're ready to move on. I've got a particular question, then we'll go to a more general topic. In okay. Waking Nightmare, what is your plan to deal with, if you see one, a Grey Weaver? 
For listeners, that's the four fight, five health, three evade, monster, spider, enemy. Preys on the lowest agility, hunts, and while it's ready, each investigator at its location cannot take move actions. It's got VP, and it hits for a damage and two horror. So is it elite? It's not elite, I don't believe. It is not elite. Spectral yes, Razor plus not Storm. Elite. Yeah. Yeah, Spectral yeah. Spectral Razor or, plus Cleaver. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you do have a free... You have one or two free dudes of damage. So Spectral Razor plus two nice. dudes would do it as well. So whether that's... Nice. Do they deal horror oh, yeah, or is it damage? True. Two horror, bloody They hell. deal one damage and two horror. Yeah. <laughs> There's your so, dudes. <laughs> well, yeah. it's one of the dudes. So you'd be on three horror. Yeah, um, exactly. I know, I know. I was joking. Yeah. Yeah. The issue is what happens if you draw it when you don't have a cleaver and you don't have spectral razor. Yeah. But they only get shuffled in for act three. I could ask you the same question. To an extent I could ask you the same question for Mark. What do you do about this big mm-hmm. lad if he shows up? What's his what's his agility is the other question? Agility three. The Grey Weavers evade, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you can even evade that with uh, not without a fight or an unexpected courage. You'd be two up. Yeah, ethereal form as well, with, uh, and then form. you just run yeah. away from it and <laughs> try and pull the cards you need. Yeah, yeah. The only times I've seen Grey Weavers in Waking Nightmare have been in the basement area because I've normally got there by the time they get shuffled in, and then I've unluckily drawn one. So if I evade it and start locking down the infestation, I can then be racing away up back to this like safer bit of the hospital and leave it behind if I don't have an immediate answer for it. So yeah, pretty so, big though. Four fight and five health is pretty nasty. I know, it's it's chunky. But where we're leaving it is I have to cut two cards out of two cash and two flux. Mm-hmm. Uh, and potentially yeah. obvious is to do one of each, but there I guess there could be an option to cut two cash and leave myself with just the forbidden knowledge for econ. Mm-hmm. Cost card is, is you think that's pretty good. Three cards on seven, uh, seven cards on three, eight cards on two. I've run Agnes without cash before. I feel like I'm not the best person to judge on that, though. I've probably run more decks that I don't have the economy I want. Yeah. My, my so gut, and I've played a lot of Agnes, I would my, probably my go gut cash and flux. Keep yeah. her cash in. Yes, because if you want to use the second forbidden knowledge, but you can't heal the horror, it's it's conditional resources isn't it yeah. and you might not want to be tapping forbidden knowledge every turn because you might want to be saving the dudes of damage yeah that's put me on what four one ofs which i'm not mad about but uh we'll give it a we'll give it a blast like that and see what happens four one ofs in 30 cards i think is okay and i think yeah. like this deck particularly is going to draw hard you have multiple draw options so that's that true. makes that's me true. feel more comfortable about it we did talk briefly about um, uh, upgrade path, didn't we, for your deck? Mm. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really think Mind's Eye is the main one I want to go to. The Shining Trapezohedron mm-hmm. as well. Probably yeah. some Relic Hunters. Yeah. So like, Shining Trapezohedron is what four XP. So two of those is eight. Relic Hunters eleven. Mind's Eye is thirteen. So like I, straight away, that's probably your first two scenarios. I suspect. I would go one trapezohedron, probably uh, okay. replacing yeah. the cash. Yeah. One trapezohedron, then two relic hunters. Then you can have pendulum heirloom and a second I pendulum think, or trapezohedron. Down. Exactly. I think pendulum and then any other two 
is my is my relic mm-hmm. setup is my um, accessory setup. Sorry. So you'd either yeah, that's nice, and and you can swap them round as well. I think once you're set up, maybe you want the pendulums for the willpower boosts. Because remember, pendulums boosting pretty much every single one of your tests in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just occurred to me that there's that very difficult stairs location in a thousand shapes of horror where you have to test your weakest stat two, and you have to pass once in solo to get through that location to get the resource of the location. So if you have mind's eye by scenario two. <laughs> that's trivial for you because you just <laughs> yeah. five against two. That's pretty cool. That's really good. That's important that you have mind's eye for that. Yeah, because otherwise <laughs> you're like a two intellect on two, and you're going to need an unexpected courage to get through that. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's so good. I want to play this deck now. I'm excited by it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Save. Save thirty cards. Cool. Save. Sweet. I really just wanted to check in with you about how you're feeling embarking on your think on your feet journey as you mentioned earlier you have recorded at least one scenario before so it's not like this is complete for the first time and sort of maybe what your goals are for doing it as well uh, getting a better appreciation of of solo play i think would be really useful mm-hmm. and it helps me join in those conversations a bit more we have on the cast i think there's an element of of worry about being judged which I know you've talked about mm-hmm. in the past, uh, having having yeah. my terrible plays exposed, <laughs> uh, being exposed <laughs> yeah. as a fraud. Yeah. But I, I, and I think it will be healthy to just blast through, roll with the punches, and see how it goes. Because, mm-hmm. like you know, this, mm-hmm. it's not life and death, really, is it? If 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 I lose a couple of scenarios, not, if I get screwed no. by the encounter deck and it's on tape, I, you know, who, who cares mm-hmm. really? It's it's funny for a lot of people listening, I guess, yeah. uh, seeing me get battered around. So yeah, I think. That's that's it. Yeah, I I, I want to get some experience mm. using using this kind of build as well because I think there's a really fun build with these spell events, mm. and I want to find the best. The lead developer has said as much. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to play around with different investigators using it and see where it fits best. Mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. So there's like a bit of discovery there for you, and then there's also that checking out, like feeling the fear and doing it anyway in terms of what people will judge you and say and things like that. I find one of the things that I've enjoyed most about Arkham is if I fail, checking in with what did I do wrong? But like sometimes you just get screwed, right? Yeah. You just get the game will just pound you. And that's actually okay, you know, and people like hearing that that happens to everyone as opposed to just themselves. Sometimes you eat the bear. Sometimes the bear (laughs) eats you. Yeah, quite. (laughs) So the other thing I was going to say was that I think in solo, you need to have a, a, a more detailed understanding of the encounter cards and what you're likely to face. Mm. In multiplayer, you can rely on someone else being able to cover the weak spots. Yeah. So you can take a more generic approach to your deck design. I mean, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe if you, if you were playing on the high difficulties, I don't think that's as true. But in, yeah. say, three player, I think you'd, it would be, you'd be unlucky if, a situation came up with that at least one person in the party couldn't deal with. If you've mm, designed mm. three well-rounded decks, I don't think you can design yeah. in solo a deck sufficiently well-rounded to do everything. So you need to be more <laughs> cognizant of the particular challenges of the scenario. Yeah, I think that's actually a huge point you've just made there, which mm. is people often say advice for playing solo is make a well-rounded deck. But what you're saying is that actually maybe it's impossible to make a perfectly well-rounded deck so you have to know 
where you're giving up ground and what sacrifices you're making. And also you have to know what are the things you really need to smash. Behind the scenes, we've talked a bit about that location in Point of No Return yeah, that you'll yeah. be facing. Like, How do you get past a four-shroud location where you're not allowed to play or commit cards? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? And, and we talked about it and we said, I, I have, well, I might have the old key ring and I'll have mine's eye, both of which I could use on that location. Yeah. 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 But but it's it's worth having that conversation. If, if, if I'd built a, a Mystic deck and I just had a load of spell events... And look what I mm. found to find clues. I would be screwed yeah. there. At the end of there wouldn't be a way I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, you would commit, look what I found, and hope to pull a zero. I've Sweet. used I've used versatile <laughs> to put true understanding in and I can get a clue off any location. Oh no. I can't commit cards. <laughs> yeah, nice. You put versatile to put in Intel report and you spend <laughs> four resources from a connecting location to buy the clue there. I've done, done. it before. We hope you've enjoyed this, listeners. If you've got any thoughts you have about our decks, write in. No, it'll be too late. We'll have played. Will. So you can let us know, and maybe that's something we can upgrade into. Hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know if there's stuff you want to hear more about. This episode is not yet over, this mammoth episode of time travelling, because Peter and I are together again and we're recording this to do the first interlude. Interlude? Interlude. <laughs> God, we're, we're, we're absolutely professionals today. Just, yeah. just to give you a peek behind the scenes, folks, Frank has made this even more complicated on my tiny brain. This is... Oh my God, I don't know. Is this at the end of the episode where I just had the, the freak out about the time we were doing, order we were doing this stuff in? I don't even know. I, I feel like the next episode is going to come out. It's going to be one I haven't recorded yet. <laughs> yeah, it's got complicated. It, once we're settled in, it was all for the surprise for listeners, wasn't it? Once we're it actually was, yeah. settled yeah. into to what we're doing, then things will calm down. But in this instance, because we wanted to do deck discussion, but we also wanted to do that. So yeah, so we, you have now played Waking Nightmare. I've now played Beyond the Gates of Sleep. This is actually the case. I'm not just saying this as though we were thinking about doing that. And we want to link up again and briefly talk about XP and also talk about interlude, the first interlude. So that's what we're going to do now. So you will have heard in this same episode us talking about the decks, but we now have some XP. So if you've not yet listened to the Think on Your Feet episode, go check it out, hear how we did. And then we can go to do some interludes and things like that. So how did you do, Frank? Yeah, well, you might not yet have heard, right? Because <laughs> you... No, you no, I, I've been working my way through it. It's only been a few days, actually, because we, we didn't share our episodes with each other. You edited it together so you know intimately yes, yeah. how, well I, how well I did. Yeah, um, yeah. But I've only had access to the episode for the same amount of time as the listeners. Yeah, so. so if you don't want to be spoiled, listener, this is the time to pause and come back when you've listened to that. But otherwise, I did pretty damn well. I got 12 XP. Yeah, that seems pretty good for Solo. I'm really pleased, yeah. Like, big spoiler here, I even had a turn in hand to decide did I want to go xp hunting or did i want to just leave so i actually had the spare time which is a little bit like um it it happened in your waking nightmare episode as well where you were toying with the idea of bringing a gray weaver in and yes yes to to be in a position where you can even consider it is pretty good for solo to go like you know what i'm actually doing all right here let's let's think about yeah can we get go push harder which is really nice yeah no absolutely couldn't agree more 
So what do you want to do first, XP or interlude? Let's do the interlude, I think. that I think okay. that makes sort of some sort of chronological sense. Okay, cool. I know that's the opposite way to the way you, suge- you suggested we do no, it, but seeing fine, as we're playing yeah. fast and loose with temporal causality, let's just dive in. So interlude one, the Black Cat, we're playing both campaigns as interconnected campaigns. So we go to Black Cat one, and following scenario 1A, Mark travels beyond the Enchanted Woods. Lots and lots of story. We're not going to read it out? Do you want me to read it out? There's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. Let's just blah, blah, blah. Okay, we're in a bar with Virgil, Randolph and a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of cats, actually, isn't it? It's a cat gang, yeah. Yeah, it's a cat joint. You tell Virgil and Randolph that before you commit to such an adventure, you must return to the waking world and tell your companions about your experiences. Just then, another voice, cryptic and quiet, chimes, Oh, you can't wake up. The eye is upon you now. You and the others spin your heads around, searching for the source of the voice. The barkeeper, another patron. Then Virgil's black cat stretches and sits up, its piercing yellow eyes reflecting the light of the sun through the window outside. I have waited a long time for you to seek Kadath, it says. You can talk, Virgil says, nearly toppling over his stool as he jumps up in surprise. Now, sorry, out of out of con- character for a second. How is this the thing that's surprising him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he seems to be delighted by Zooks and things like that. But then, yeah, this is the bit that throws him. Yeah. Anyway. I'm a cat, you dolt. Of course I can talk, the black cat replies, licking its paw out of boredom. You have met a thousand cats from Ulthar, and now you are surprised? But I thought... Virgil wipes his brow with his palm. Never mind him, the black cat says, addressing you directly. I assure you, you cannot cross back into the waking world until you find Kadath. It is your only way out. In the meantime, I will return and tell your companions about the quest ahead of you. It hops off the countertop and walks confidently towards the exit, though I imagine their task will be even more arduous. And then we proceed to Black Cat 2, and the Black Cat... What shall I tell your friends in the waking world? Exactly, yeah. So I need to decide, do I tell them of my quest, my plight and my peril? Do I tell my companions about my new friends and about the dreamlands? Or do I tell my companions that they're in danger and that I'm safe? Or do I not trust the cat? And so what I'm going to opt to do is to tell my companions, which is Agnes, about my new friends, the black cat, Virgil, Randolph, etc. Einar, I think, is the barkeeper. And about the dreamlands. So that means that I'll record that the black cat shared knowledge of the dreamlands. Now, do we want to talk about the reason for picking that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Go on then, Frank, hit me. <laughs> why, <laughs> yeah. why are we doing that? So we had a look at the epilogue to the entire campaign, or double campaigns, and looked at some of the endings and then worked backwards to see what the quote-unquote good ending was. We realised that if we want to do this Black Cat Knowing the Truth ending, we need at this point to make this decision. And essentially, as soon as we start passing the cat between us, the cat doesn't have time to investigate fake Randolphs and things like that. So that's the thinking. There's a lot that can go wrong between now and There's an and awful lot. Then, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. We're sort of we're shooting for the stars, aren't we? We're, yeah. We're setting our sights on going for it. But, you know, what's the start? The longest venture begins with a single step? Is that what? A single cat. A single yeah, cat. exactly. So that, we're going to do that. I've had a couple of runs where I've been doing on this track and then for some reason... You know, like even just a silly mistake in a scenario. So then I didn't finish the scenario as I wanted to. 
and so there's lots that can go wrong. But the other thing that I noticed looking at this is it actually gives us a few options depending on how we both finish, right. which is quite good. Okay. So if we, we can both end up in the dreamlands, we can both end up back in the waking world, depending on how we do. So I'm not quite sure how much we're allowed to communicate with each other about how we're doing, but we'll we'll work with it and see how we go. Okay. Well, that sounds good. So yes. So I'll share knowledge, and that means we proceed to Black Cat 3. Following scenario 1B, the investigators, that's Agnes, is confronted outside St. Mary's Hospital. You must be their friends, the enigmatic enigmatic voice says from above. To your surprise, the quiet voice belongs not to a person, but to a black cat that lounges lazily across a tree branch hanging over the path outside the hospital. Oh, pick your jaws up off the ground and listen. The cat rises and leaps onto the top of a nearby fence, walking along it with the grace, kind of grace only cats possess. Uh, when we first did this, uh, for some reason the cat picked up like a kind of Brooklyn accent. <laughs> oh, nice. Anyway, uh, it is one of the cats of Earth's dreamlands, Randolph proclaims, his voice tinged with merriment, like he was meeting an old friend for the first time in ages. How long it has been since I have spoken with one of your kind. The cat's piercing yellow eyes glare at Randolph for a moment before it returns its gaze to you. Sure. In any event, I bear a message from your dreaming friend. So, the black cat shared knowledge of the dreamlands. That's us, right? Mm-hmm. The black cat tells you all about the dreamlands and about the quest your friends are about to embark upon. Your friends are in a safe place in the dreamlands, along with a couple of others. My pet human, Virgil, is one of them. Yes, that Virgil. I see the looks on your faces. They're also with another dreamer, a man named... Hey, wait a minute. The cat glares suspiciously at Randolph and yawns. Huh. You know what? Never mind. I have to check on something. With that, the cat suddenly departs. In both campaign logs, record that the black cat has a hunch. Mm-hmm. And then we essentially skip all of the other sections and move on to search for Kadath and Thousand Shapes of Horror. So we have set ourselves on this path now. <laughs> yes, no going back. No going back. XP. Yes. We should do some XP before yeah, we absolutely, go any yeah. further. So what's, what are your... Should we do your deck first? Yeah, and I think there's a nice little bit of inversion here that listeners will enjoy, but we won't realise. When we recorded the deck discussion episode, you felt like my deck was pretty well planned out and you had a lot more choices and decisions to make. And now, having heard you talk about your XP, I feel like my XP is not very planned out at (laughs) all. And your XP really is. So I've got 12 XP. Yeah. And I'll hit you with a couple of suggestions. Hit me. The one, like maybe the simplest option here, but could be a fun option, is just upgrade both enchanted blades. Yeah. Because the higher level enchanted blade always gives you a combat boost. And then you can choose when you spend the enchantments to kill enemies to draw cards and heal horror, which is quite nice. And to get stick to the plan. So that would be 12 XP for two enchanted blades and stick to the plan. And I would put an emergency cash, a shortcut, and then either an on the hunt or an act of desperation on stick to the plan yeah so that would be like a very nice clean upgrade the other slightly odder upgrade is if i take the hungering blade because this is probably the best campaign for it because there are so many swarming enemies yes we, we talked about this actually didn't we mm, yeah i must admit i'm not convinced by the hungering blade mm-hmm. but do you want to hit me with why you think it's a good choice and then we could talk about why you're wrong yeah, I I don't know if it's a good choice or a fun choice. I think it could certainly be fun, yeah. And I think what I've noticed with the few times I've played Hungering Blade is if you don't see it early, 
it's not worth the effort ever. And I've actually played it in Mark before where he draws so quickly through his deck, you really need to know that you can at least get the first couple of offerings on it. Otherwise, you just start giving yourself loads of horror. Yeah. I, I wonder if there are some slightly better choices for Hungering Blade than Mark. Like, I wonder if it's maybe better in, say, a Zoe. It does feel just like it could a, be a fun... Yeah, it feels like it's, it, it would be naturally at home in Zoe, to be honest. The other thing is that if you can get it powered up, it is a lot of damage in a 1 XP weapon. Yeah, yeah. Because, you, yeah, you get the plus 3 combat boost, and it always does 2 damage, but you can also add damage from the... the, the Say I did an upgraded Enchanted Blade, a Stick to the Plan, and a Hungering Blade. That's 10 XP, and then I've got that 2 XP spare. I could maybe go Ever Vigilant and something else, or I could start saving XP. But yeah, it was just an, an idle thought, I suppose. The My hesitation about a big gun, just as another go option on. to throw out, is just for flashlights and knocking flashlights out of my yeah, hands. Yeah. They're so important for glues. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't so, agree more with that. Yeah, so why am I wrong about Enchanted Blade? What are your... Well, it, it just, it, it seemed to me like it's, you're right in that Mark draws a lot, but it seemed like a one-off weapon that then adds weaknesses to your deck that you could easily draw before you've had a chance mm. in solo to get enough enemies to power up the blade. Mm. Yeah. That, to me, felt difficult. But, again, like you say, the swarming enemies make it much easier to power up the blade once you have found mm. it. Yes, yeah. I mean... Maybe actually you've just hit the nail really on the head, which is that it's not really that good in solo. Yeah. And that it's actually great in multiplayer where you almost always will see enemies, and particularly where there's swarming enemies. You can yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Effectively, you draw enemies at four times the rate in four-player yes. than you do in solo. And Mark draws yeah. quite heavily anyway, so I would worry that you're at risk of drawing straight into a bloodlust before you've had a chance to get the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just the horror, but you're also then losing the draw because it shuffles back into your deck. Haven't got the offerings. You take one horror. But, like, losing a draw for Mark, the whole point is that he draws hard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're sort of also depriving yourself of the advantage that you were giving yourself. Yeah. So it's, like, doubly painful. Okay, well, that that's fine. Then It was just good to entertain the idea. So that means probably I do the two enchanted blades and the stick to the plan, unless you have another thought. I know you suggested Ever Vigilant. Yeah, I think potentially Ever Vigilant follows on from Stick to the Plan. Mm. Stick to the Plan empties your your opening hands. It means certain cards are less crucial to have in your opening hand. And that also means that you've got more space for assets in your opening hand. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like Ever Vigilant a lot. I actually don't think you have that many assets in this deck. No, 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 no. It's not heavy asset at all. So maybe that impacts on the usefulness of a Vigilant anyway. Other thing worth noting is that I've now drawn my basic weakness and it's Indebted. Ah. Which means it's harder to pull off Ever Vigilant turn one and it's more important for me to have emergency cash on Stick to the Plan. Yes. To, to sort of counter the punishment of Indebted. So yeah. That, that makes sense, yes. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say really. Unless there's... You know, the other card I'm sort of slightly eyeing is Fool Me Once, just because it's a fun option to have. But that's definitely a, a thing to include later on. So just to be clear, your 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 six sorry, your twelve experience would be six on two enchanted blades and then six on a single six to the plan. Yeah. I mean it's it's nice and neat as well. Yeah, it is nice and neat. 
and then it's like if I get say five or six XP in the next scenario, then it's the decision point about what to do next. I suppose, mm. um, yeah, because it's not like there's a high XP card that gets me loads of clues. Although we did mention agency backup, but I just think I'm too poor. It's a, it's a big ask agency backup. Yeah, literally the most expensive card in the game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's me. I think that's so. Having thought, I wasn't so sure. Maybe it, maybe I'm more sure than I thought. Okay, and I must admit, I, I feel pretty confident about what, what I'm looking at as well. Cool. Well, then we don't have to talk for ages. This episode has gone long. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just go over it just, just for the sake of it. I mm. finished with 9 XP, which I thought mm. was really good until I heard you. No, I think 9 is great. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty happy with 9. I must admit, I got yeah. 9 and I thought, this is phenomenally good. Then I remembered mm. we're in only in the four scenario campaign, so that XP has to stretch a bit further. But still, I yeah. think nine's fine. Really, my main priority was to come out that first scenario with enough experience for Mind's Eye. Yeah, that's only two experience. Which is what two XP? Yeah, so, so you got there. I got there. Yeah, that's but that's good. And I think that's that's the priority really because it keeps Agnes very flexible, boosts yeah. the power of a lot of her spells. Yeah, and gives you that like panic button for yeah. all three other makes us really well. really flexible really, which is which is good to be solo. Yeah, I agree. So step one, three, mind's eye, which goes in for two sixth sixth sense. Mm -hmm. And then something else, which I'm not sure about. Yeah. Uh, I think potentially old keyring, which I do like. But I think if we're taking out, you know, sixth sense could be two charges to to pass two intellect tests to get two clues, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it sort of fits in that space quite well. Yes. The only pause I'm having is that scary location. No, you can still mind's eye that, so it's fine. Yeah. But that leaves me with what? So two, seven experience to spend. And at the end of the Think on Your Feet, you suggested maybe a Relic Hunter in the first Shining Trapezohedron. Yes. Relic Hunter, I, I think, could be a really good shout. I've got Heirloom of Aurora and two, two Crystal <laughs> yeah. Pendulum. Yeah. So already a Relic Hunter is going to give you some value. Yeah. If I add in the uh, trapezohedron, yeah, there's a potential that I could pick up a second relic hunter at some point down the line, and it it would still be fine. And you've also got that really nice setup now where you're hoping for a pendulum, but also you can put down the heirloom and the trapezohedron, or you know what whatever combination you draw of those four cards, yeah. whichever two you draw first can go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You could even have two uh, two pendulums down. Yeah, exactly. True, two pendulums gives you much the same draw and then you're just missing out on the economy so do you drop then a forbidden knowledge or an emergency cash i think emergency cash mm-hmm. goes because I, I i still like the forbidden knowledge for the for the horror damage on tap and it's it's a cheap asset which as we talked about there is a, there is a treachery which targets my assets which i can't deal with very well regardless uh, yes i don't know whether that okay. shows back up i think it probably does on the waking side is that the treachery threads of reality? I think so, yes. That blanks your highest cost asset. Yes, and then to get rid of it, you have to ditch an asset. Anyway, I, I think I just like I, I like forbidden knowledge. Really, I think it's 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 really good to take in in Agnes, especially if we manage to get some upgraded horror healing in the deck. And we've got the meat cleaver mm. as well. Yes. Yeah. So okay, 
So then you're hoping that maybe the next 4XP is too fearless too or something else. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's that's not a bad yeah. shout at all. Because once you get the, the mind's eye in, the, the fearless becomes uh, it's almost an um, unexpected courage. Yeah, yeah. You can even, if you're not sure you're going to have a test come up, use the Shining Trapezohedron to get a willpower test that you can then put the fearless into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 yeah. that's absolutely legit. So here's another question. Does mm. Is there any negative story side effects from putting Randolph in my deck? Great question. I don't think there is. No. And in fact, for the black cat to be on the path we want the black cat to be on, Randolph needs to survive the descent down the stairs in A Thousand Shapes of Horror. So I'm not sure if you don't put Randolph in your deck, I don't think Randolph can survive that descent. Oh, really? Because then Randolph's not with you, so... Yeah, then you can't get Richard Upton Pickman to assist you and things like that. So I think you need to take Randolph, yeah. Well, I, uh, but I think that's fine uh, because mm. Randolph gives me a willpower boost. Yes, yeah. He's, and, and an intellect, and an intellect boost, yeah. yeah. So, so I think he sits yeah. nicely alongside Arcane Initiate as, as an ally mm. choice. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you okay, think no, that's that a sound... Sense. So the, the, o- the only downside, the only ba- negative play experience moment, not even negative play experience, the only negative you'll get from playing Randolph is in Weaver of the Cosmos when the big reveal happens. If Randolph's in play, he gets removed from play. Yeah. So that's the only that's the scenario you shouldn't bother playing him because he'll disappear. Yeah, or you just you, you play him and then you, you stick a load him. of damage yeah. or horror on him and then he, and he goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't build your strategy in the final scenario around having Randolph in play doing something for you. Yeah. As we speak, I'm going into my deck and I'm making those changes. Sweet. So that's Mind's Eye is in instead of the old key ring. And it's a shame because I really like the old key ring, actually. Mm, yeah. It's a nice nice little card. And then the trapezohedron, shining trapezohedron. In it goes and we'll take out that cash. That's done. And we'll add a relic hunter. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think. I'm yeah, I'm excited to see now the deck is sort of reaching the form that you originally envisaged and that Matt originally described. So it should be really good. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I definitely think those fearless are going to be good. Uh, I'm not sure where we go for upgrades from that point. A, sec- a second mm. Hunter and then the upgraded fearless, and then I'm not sure. You know, we could take some upgraded. Well, we could take upgraded water of protection. I don't know how how helpful that's going to be. Potentially upgraded storm spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. The nice thing about the upgraded Storm Spirits is hitting that three damage per hit threshold. Yeah. Which means even if you're using Storm of Spirits just to kill one enemy, it can kill a beefier enemy. Although, as you've probably seen in Solo, as long as there aren't swarms, you're normally just dealing with one enemy at a time. Between that and Spectral Razor, you've got some good options. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you could also say potentially uh, Diana. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And stick some spells on Di- on Diana. Yeah. Maybe the upgraded Arcane Initiate. Yeah. No, I think there's a, f- there's a few options there. Mm, yeah. The Doom Thresholds for all of the next scenarios are longer than the, the Lucky 2 that you had. Yes. Waking Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 It's a shame that there aren't upgraded versions of the spell event suite. Because that's really kind of the cornerstone of the deck, isn't it? Yeah, although that will uh, scrounge for supplies only works when they're they're mm. level zero. The other one, of course, oh, that's is true. Yeah, Divermis Mysterious. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, our favourite. I've thought of another card. Word of Command. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
worth because imagine if you play it for free with shining trapezohedron yeah and it draws you a card yeah so then it would draw you a card from whatever other thing and then you'd also pick whichever spell you needed word of command is basically working in the opposite way of scrounge scrounge fetches you the card you already have used that you know you're going to use again yeah and word of command is the sort of preemptive oh i think i'm going to need a read the sign shortly i'll go fetch it i wonder if really for value in word of command you want other things in your deck that will trigger like you want to run it in luke and be running research cards and that makes it really potent so the thing i was thinking about the shining trapezohedron just as a final thought is often like if you can get value out of taking the test that's more than just the resources you sh- you save that's pretty good so like say you're doing an um uh, an olive mcbride token fishing thing if if the test also fishes you into an elder sign or whatever else it is that's better than just saving you the resources obviously depending on what your elder sign is yeah yeah like I, it's not a major point but if you're taking more tests, you want to make something out of those tests as a result, right? Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. Cool, we've gone on long enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, let's call it a day. thoughts, um, and I guess people will see us for the next episode pretty soon, right? Yeah, and I think, listeners, if you've listened this far and you're thinking, those imbeciles, they've forgotten a vital card, <laughs> it's whatever, write to us, let us know. We're on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter and Facebook. And we're also on Patreon and designed by humans if you want a drawn to the flame t-shirt. So yeah, you know, let us know, reach out, talk. We're always interested to hear what other people's thoughts are on the decks. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks. Thanks.